0: Hey there, and welcome to another fortnightly episode of War Starts at Midnight. I'm Chris Gallagher.
1: And I'm Hunter Cates. On today's show, we're reviewing
0: Captain America Civil War. Then in special features, we will discuss movies in which characters team up or duke it out in Who'd Win in a Fight films.
1: And finally, we will wrap up the shows we always do with some really rad recommendations. But first... So Chris, the Directors Guild of America recently released their Top 80 Best Directed Movies of All Time list, and naturally this list has generated quite a bit of controversy as they're apt to do, so I'm curious, what from this list of 80 films stands out to you?
0: Um, you know, th- there's there's a few things that stand out, but more than anything, it's what doesn't stand out. I mean, this this list really seems like your average. Exactly. Uh, best of whatever. 100
1: list. movies you should see before you die. Kind yeah, of list.
0: I mean, I was I was hoping for something at least a little closer to maybe like the sight and sound list, where you get some things that are a little. Uh, you've, you've probably heard of them, but they're, they're still a little off well, the beaten path, exactly
1: a little off the radar,
0: but here we really don't get much of that. And it's, I mean, we've got Shawshank Redemption in the top 20 and I would expect that, you know, expect that from IMDb because IMDb is, you know, a populist sort of, mm-hmm. um, but this is directors. I, I'm curious. I mean, I guess it's just guild directors. They pulled, I like, I, it amazes me that Shawshank is that high. Because it's not a bad movie, but,
1: but but top twenty of all time. Yeah. Well, no. but and here's the thing: is it doesn't say greatest movies; it says best directed. And at no point in time does is that really defined. No,
0: well, and it and it also doesn't seem like not
1: evidenced in the list we have here.
0: Yeah, it, it's very it's very odd. I mean, is, is there anything that stands out to you? I mean, was there anything well, yeah, really?
1: Well, okay, yeah, a few things. Is I interpreted this list as essentially a you know. High school popularity contest, you know, kind of like student government, wherever it's just mm-hmm. people, you know, that's what I think about these industry lists. So I was surprised that Francis Ford Coppola, who essentially said, screw you to Hollywood and moved off to yeah. San Francisco to form American Zoetrope. He is has three films in the top 10. No other director has that many in the top 10. So I'm surprised maybe it's wish fulfillment from some of these directors. You know, they want to be like him. And so they're they're praising him there. Do they, though? Well, they, not they want, anymore. They want
0: to go on to make Jack. <laughs> want
1: to go on to make Jack, and apparently delicious wine. Um, the other thing that the people who have been reading this really noted is that Avatar is mm-hmm. within the top eighty. Yeah. Well, and let's let's try and understand the psychology as opposed to just dismissing it. Do you think it's just it was just such a, an achievement, achievement? of yeah. the
0: moment? I mean, I guess this goes back to what we were talking about last time. Maybe, but it's. There are achievements that have surpassed it since, exactly, it, and, and it was the first one of sorts. You know, it it was the first with the uh, I the the term is skipping my head now. Three D, no, the the virtual camera, oh, okay, and and those sorts of things. So yeah, sure, but uh, it's it's the of best all, of all time. Yeah, exactly. No.
1: And so another thing that jumped out at me is that. For instance, Gone with the Wind. Gone mm-hmm. with the Wind is un- is on most top ten lists. But here's the thing: it's not a best directed. I would it, say it's it, it best produced. produced. Yes, yeah, no, it's, exactly. a, it's 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 a ch- it's David O. Selznick's yeah. you know masterpiece, so to speak. So to say it's best directed, so I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah. And then some other things that jumped out at me was the lack of foreign films. You you get a, you've got a few. Kurosawa entries, and then 8.5 from Fellini, and maybe La Dolce Vita, I'm not sure, but essentially I, I don't just... I think it was on this. Okay, La Dolce Vita wasn't, but 8.5 eight was. Mm. Rashomon and then Seven Samurai were also on
0: this. Yeah, and Rashomon, I believe Rashomon was below... Was it Was it just Seven Samurai and Rashomon? I be- Rashomon yes. Rashomon was lower than I felt felt it should have been. Well, was it lower than Avatar? Well, no, that's that's exactly the problem. Like, Rashomon barely made it onto this list. Rashomon is 79 of 80. The only one below that is Once Upon a Time in the West. Both of those films, I would definitely put above avatar
1: well and not just as better films better directed films yeah so okay let's do this how would you define a well-directed film versus a just a good film a fine film
0: i mean it's it's difficult to define you have to i think define it by saying we're going to look at this from an auteur uh filmmaker perspective Mm -hmm. because that's i mean that's that's the way you approach a director um it, but it's something that that seems to come together in a singular vision in my mind that's mm-hmm. that's what and i guess avatar is that but it's also just a really boring story it's it's a very predictable sort of sort of thing and it's for something that is so technologically why are we spending so much time talking about avatar for something that is you know such a technological achievement um it feels still very just like pasted together in story and script and all of those things so right I, I again, mean, again,
1: I think it's just – it goes back to like what we said again is it's just people admiring the achievement. Um, another thing I would add to good directors is the idea of elevating the material. And mm-hmm. so number one is the picture that has been inching ever closer to Citizen Kane and actually, of course, surpasses Citizen Kane on this is the Godfather. Mm-hmm. The Godfather, for those who may not know the backstory, is based on kind of a pulpy – B novel, you might say. And I mean, I would. I don't know if I would say B
0: novel, but it's a. But
1: not as not as esteemed it's, as the it's, film. It's the
0: type of book that you find in the like murder mystery, true crime, right. That sort of section of the like used bookstore, right?
1: But the film, of course, is it's a certifiable masterpiece. And yeah. I know you don't think it's as good. And this is a cause of you know some debate among people. But still a masterpiece. And so. Coppola elevated the material. So I guess that justifies Don't
0: don't think it's as good as well, I I, I think Godfather Part Two is is better, but I mean that's Potato patata. Yeah, yeah, and you get you gotta you gotta put them both together. So I mean yeah, that's fine. One thing that I will say actually did sort of offend me and I know like I'm I might get. We've been getting some uh, some good listener feedback lately. I might get some some hate mail for this, but Star Wars, not a particularly well directed film. No, you're absolutely right. In, in yeah. my like, it, it's reap a, the hate on both of us. Yeah, yeah. It's and especially of. I is that the only Star Wars one that was on this list? I think it. Was. I believe so. Yeah. Um, I would say by far the least of of the original three, the worst directed. Of those. I mean, and once again, groundbreaking for the time and all of that. So you have to give it that you have to give it from from like a technical achievement. Yeah, like George Lucas had a vision, but. He also wasn't very good at directing Mark Hamill, who was clearly an actor who needed direction. Like he because he does just fine in Empire and Return of the Jedi, he's not very good in well, Star Wars.
1: Well let me play devil's advocate slash Sith advocate here. Is even though the the movie itself may not be well directed, maybe they're defining since these are directors of course voting on it, maybe they are defining directing as taking something from point A to B. And so Star Wars went from Oblivion to, of course, what it became, the pop culture thing right. it became. So maybe that's how they're defining director.
0: Are you, are you saying he was a visionary director? Hunter, yeah,
1: well, not Zack Snyder level, certainly <laughs> not to that degree.
0: I, I, I have one other, actually, probably from a, a visionary director, someone who did uh, Birdman. I found kind of interesting just because it's so recent of a film mm-hmm. to be on here. It's at uh, fifty eight, I believe.
1: Well, uh, you know, directors like movies about movies.
0: That's true. That that's true. And there's uh, Billy Wilder also had had quite a few. I was I was happy to see see him on here. Although uh, Double Indemnity not on this list.
1: Um, here, yeah, here's the thing: is I think these lists overall, particularly this one, are more interesting from a sociological perspective of trying to analyze the voters. And this one for the voters makes no sense. Or yeah. maybe here's the thing. Well,
0: it's it, it honestly, what it, it just seems to me like. These directors, you know, these directors who are voting either they're just like they're card carrying guild directors, but they only do like small, you know, uh, they're they're not they're not big name directors. And they're just like, oh, yeah, man, I I really love Rocky. Um, you had to go there. I had to go there. <laughs> you had there you, um, or, Jacob Graves, you know how to contact us. <laughs> or there's like I, I don't know. There's there's something weird. It just seems like why are the, why are there not more interesting ambitious films? I would you, like, you would think the directors would be the ones who would be yeah and and maybe maybe it is that these are all the films that they unify like as as a unified group agree, whereas maybe they did also vote because we don't know how they voted, um maybe it is that they also voted on other things, but they each have their own eccentricity, and so the the more interesting picks you know but
1: yeah but, the the, uh, yeah but then again you've just got so many mainstream choices just the arrangement is mm. so bizarre and so that's why i think you would agree with me this list sucks i think we can definitively say that this list just kind of sucks and makes no sense
0: maybe <laughs> if sucks, they just called sucks, it sucks is strong but it's it's unnecessary i would say it's not it's not insightful right. it's not it's another list and
1: it's which is disappointing considering it's the directors guild. Mm-hmm. You I would rather they just rename this to the directors guild movies they like. These are movies that we like. Yeah, but say it, best directed, we, I mean give me a break.
0: Movies we collectively like. And and that's the thing. Like I brought up Billy Wilder earlier. Like Some Like It Hot is above Sunset Boulevard, I believe, which How? How is that Okay,
1: okay, possible? how about this? How about this? Do you think they're trolling us? Do you think that's what's going on here?
0: No. You don't think that there's that no. level of sophistication? They, if, it, if it was like they just asked, like, David Lynch and Werner Herzog, maybe. But uh, no, I, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe maybe a lot of people didn't vote.
1: Well, how about, yeah, exactly. Maybe, they maybe, stayed maybe, at home. Maybe. They stayed at home. This is why, folks, you cannot stay at right home. Vote or die, all right? Or else this DGA <laughs> list comes into being. Well, I think it goes without saying that you probably, listener, think the the list sucks, too. So rather than telling us we're right or wrong about the list tell us what you think's going on with this
0: list i mean i i'd be curious what what would you like to see on this list yes uh blow us away
1: and why 80 that's another thing why 80 well because it
0: was their 80th anniversary oh
1: okay okay never mind you don't have to answer that question folks just answer what the hell's going on at that this list at hello at war starts at midnight.com
0: But in the meantime, stick around as Hunter and I duke it out and try to determine if Captain America Civil War is a triumph of direction or just another calamity in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Captain, while a great many people see you as a hero, there are some who prefer the word vigilante. You've operated with unlimited power and no supervision. That's something the world can no longer tolerate. I know how much Bucky means to you. Stay out of this one. Please.
1: You'll only make this worse. You saying you'll arrest me?
0: There will be consequences. <laughs> Captain, you seem a little defensive. Well, it's been a long day we can't accept limitations. We're no better than bad guys. That's not the way I see it. Sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. Well, Hunter, it appears we've reached that inevitable roadmark in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in which the heroes divide up and focus their fighting fury on friends instead of foes. In this corner, we have the blunt billionaire Tony Stark defending the United Nations' proposed Sokovia Accords, which would create an international entity for the regulation and oversight of enhanced individuals. Uh, you mean mutants? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure we're not allowed to use the M-word, Hunter, so I meant enhanced individuals. You know, such as the Avengers. Stark's Iron Man is backed by Black Widow, The Vision, War Machine, Black Panther, and some new kid they've just added to the MCU. He wears red and blue spandex, and I believe they call him the Spiderling. And in this corner, we have America's clean-cut good guy gone rogue, Steve Rogers, Rogers opposes the regulations of the Sokovia Accords and believes that his boyhood buddy Bucky Barnes has been wrongfully targeted as public enemy number one. This whitebread duo joins forces with Hawkeye, Falcon, Ant-Man, and Scarlet Witch to go head-to-head with Stark soldiers. Hunter, I'm curious. As the 13th entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe canon, does Captain America Civil War offer any new dimensions to this lengthy linking superhero soap opera? Or has the minor fatigue you felt after last summer's Age of Ultron started to swell into something more malignant? And before you answer that, I got to know, are you Team Cap or Team Iron Man? And before I answer
1: that, I've got to know, when you say malignant, do you mean like a Marvel tumor or something? Because at worst, it would become a rash. I think I would just have a Marvel rash. Okay. But um, no, I didn't have a Marvel rash or a Marvel tumor. In fact, I didn't even have fatigue. The answer to your first question is answered by your second, in that whether I was Team Cap or Team Iron Man, the answer is both, because I could see Cap's perspective on some things and then Iron Man's perspective on some things, and that is why I think that this is probably the best entry in the entire series.
0: I'm, I'm right up there with you. I, like, I, I'm kind of... it's For me, it's right up there with Iron Man and with guardians of the galaxy and i know guardians is like not quite folded into everything yet but it's it's part of mcu and i had as much fun with it i actually i had more fun with this i think than i did with guardians because i think marvel a lot of times has a really big third act problem and they they do a little bit here and we can get into that a little later but in general the thing that works so well um in my opinion, with this, is the scale of it. They've actually scaled things back, even though there's more superheroes than ever. Like, you don't have an army of bad guys.
1: Right. It's, and that it's not really the, it's, not, well. it's not the CGI army. Here's how I would describe it, is this movie was what Batman v Superman wanted to be and thought it was and failed miserably at. There's but a lot of parallels. Yeah, it's, but it's also... For that matter, it's what I think I wanted Avengers Age of Ultron to be, Mm -hmm. in that I would describe this as the Empire Strikes Back of the Marvel story, so to speak. And I was hoping Avengers would be that, Avengers 2, excuse me, but it wasn't. And so I was a little bit disappointed by it. Avengers 2 was. More of the same, and was, more with a capital M. It was it, more of the same. It
0: was in a weird way, and I liked, you know, I I, no, enjoyed, I, too, yeah. I enjoyed Age of Ultron, um, but it was sort of the, it was almost in a weird way the Iron Man 2 to Captain America Civil War. And
1: God bless everyone who understands what he meant by that. I understand what he meant by that, but just the, the lingo we have now yeah, as it, far as uh, the Marvel let, Cinematic okay, Universe. Okay, so
0: let's see. Iron Man 2 is to the Avengers as... The Avengers Age of Ultron is to Captain America Civil War.
1: So we're playing apples to apples with Marvel. But um, so, yeah, this this film was really the characters at the end of the film were not where they were at the beginning. And so that's Mm -hmm. why I say it was very much an Empire Strikes Back. And so you just really have to, pun intended, Marvel at what Kevin Feige has done here in that he is able to essentially create Avengers 2.5 is what this movie is. It's Mm -hmm. not so much a Captain America movie.
0: Okay, so I I, I'm glad you bring this up. We give every time we talk about a Marvel movie, we give Kevin Feige credit Mm -hmm. Um, from what I understand. The Russo brothers are actually directly responsible for making it. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Like Um, they they were the ones that brought Civil War to Feige and Feige's basic response from what I understand was, well, this is great. This is a great idea. But you guys have to go and get. Robert Downey Jr. on board because he's not, you know, he's not contractually obligated he to ain't cheap. Yeah. He's not cheap and he's not obligated to a captain America movie. And you're making, you're not making an Avengers movie. You don't have an Avengers budget. You're making a captain America movie and they made it work.
1: No, and, absolutely. And so it, it's one of those things that's an all of the above. I, I give, I, I give credit to Kevin Feige just because he's the general, you know what I mean yeah, he's yeah, he's command of the army, but in this is a situation wherever if he's the general, he gave authority to his his uh his platoon sergeants mm-hmm. and they delivered, and so I would say, yeah, this is my favorite picture of the m c u so far
0: yeah i i'm I'm right up there, I'm not like it's sort of I've got to sit with it for a little while. Um, but I, I'm definitely I, I'm a little disappointed that we're not going to have a civil war over over civil war. But uh, no, I, I agree. And um, that's coming off of, you know, I was not I didn't think the uh, initial trailer was all that good. Oh, me neither. And, yeah. and I avoided the second one as a result. I saw eventually saw the second one and got my hopes up a little a little more. Um, but I also didn't I, I think I'm of the minority, but I didn't really care much for Winter Soldier. Um, it, it felt very contrived in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, the, the whole, just everyone being like, oh, by the way, secretly I'm Hydra or I'm going to take orders from, you know, from some bureaucrat because he told me to, to kill you, Cap.
1: It it, se- like, it seemed a little bit, uh, convoluted in its cynicism.
0: Yeah. And, and so I was a little worried about, you know, I, I like the Russo brothers in the realm of television, Um, they, you know, they've worked in several comedic shows on television. I, and I think they direct action all, all right. They did in, in, uh, winter soldier, but I think this is a huge leap.
1: Oh, absolutely. I would describe this. Here's the, here's the thing is just going back to the idea of there being 13 Marvel movies by the end of it, who knows how many there'll be. This got me excited about the quote franchise. And here's, it's almost a change of perspective for me is I am no longer looking at them as movies per se because they're not they are cinematic comic books they are filming a comic book Mm -hmm. and so they managed to do it so well that you have so many characters and no one's really shortchanged even you you had her in originally in the original script sharon carter captain america's love interest and she's not shortchanged i mean you know what her motivations are so and, and at no point are you really bored with any of the characters you would think that you know, Black Panther, so to speak, would maybe get shortchanged because it's Captain America and Iron Man mm-hmm. and the Spider-Lane. Um, <laughs> but yet, but I would say Black Panther's one of the most compelling characters in this. And yeah, he's I mean... A, he's a C... And, and, you know, no offense to people who love Black Panther, but he's not... He's not an A-list character.
0: Right, right. And he's like to me and, and from, you know, people that I've spoken with, Black Panther is sort of the Wonder Woman of this movie as far as like people, people I, I came out and people who I've spoken to came out saying, like, holy crap, I can't wait for a Black Panther right. movie. Right. Um I, although there there was one person that I was speaking to that didn't realize today that didn't realize that there was a Black Panther movie coming, and he was like, Oh, well, they I felt like they really didn't explain anything. Where'd he come from? And all this like, oh we'll we'll get to it. Yeah, next it's just year. you wait right here. Yeah. Yeah. we'll we'll get there
1: um let's talk about the spider lane i would argue that this is my favorite interpretation big screen interpretation spider-man because it's the most authentic and accurate to the comic book character what we've seen in Mm -hmm. comic books and in the cartoon do you agree
0: i i generally agree yeah i think uh the voice is laid on a little heavy um and I, I now think by it's,
1: that, do you mean the character's voice? Or do you mean like his, his,
0: Hey guys. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's very intentionally done. I mean, I understand is his name, Tom Holland. Yes. And he's um, actually, he's English. British. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's like, I'm sure that's a calculated intentional thing, but it's, it's a little, it's a little strong for mm-hmm. me. The other thing that I am not over the moon for with, with him is I don't really like the mask specifically the eyes i was eyes, I actually knew you me. had
1: mentioned that that the eyes are, are his he can seem to control the eyes which doesn't make a lot of sense but again it's a cinematic comic book yeah you know what i mean yeah
0: that's, so that's just that's,
1: you can yeah that's how it works in there i also love it how i mean spider-man is the most popular character in marvel he's, he's yeah he's on the Mount okay. Okay. how did North how
0: did your audience think? like when okay when, this is when, when the yeah. and let me let me set this up a little bit um first of all they're there are these great titles as as we kind of hop around the globe there's these great full screen titles mm-hmm. that come up for each location uh when when you get the queens what 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 did your audience do?
1: I don't think they figured out it was Spider Man quite yet, but whenever they started saying "Mr. Parker," okay. yeah, Peter, things like that, and okay. and uh, it, there was a rumbling.
0: And what yeah, I so loved you, the, could could you tell sort of where the exactly. where the, the the nerddom was it's, as like
1: well, I mean, well, no, but here's the thing: is Peter Parker? That's Bruce Wayne. That's Clark Kent. Everybody knows Peter Parker. No, no, Spider-Man. no. I
0: mean, like. Was it because in my group there was a little there was a crowd that was like, Oh, Queens, oh yeah, and then there was like maybe just before you hear his name, and then you hear Parker, I think mm-hmm. is the first thing, and then and then it's like yeah. basically everyone.
1: Well, it's it's one of those things I think I was the only one in the audience, obviously, I knew Spider Man going to be it, but I think I was the only one in the audience who said, Oh, Queens, here we go, it's uh-huh. Spider Man time. Mm-hmm. But then once people were aware, you could hear, Oh my god, yeah,
0: oh, well, that, there, that there was a kid because it takes a while for him to, to be introduced. I don't know what the the minute mark is, but there was a kid behind me who uh, was actually like maybe 25 minutes in or something. He was like, I thought Spider-Man was in this movie. Exactly. And he got so like, it took him a while, but he got so excited when you he know realized, what? I
1: was that little kid. Yeah. Um, but here, here's, you know, without reviewing that movie, cause we've already reviewed that movie enough, but the way this movie handled Spider-Man was in many ways, how Batman v Superman should have handled Batman. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It should have been, bruce wayne showing up an hour into it and people getting excited about bruce wayne being in it Mm -hmm. um so anyway yeah i love spider-man i'm really looking forward to seeing what marvel does with spider-man next i'm i'm very enthused by this
0: but also what sony is going to do with spider-man homecoming or is it it's a
1: it's it's going to be because as i understand it sony basically said to their credit marvel you make the you make a spider-man movie give us some of the money
0: Okay. Okay. So it's, it's a that and that's probably the right way to do this after what happened with amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Tony Stark is going to be in Spider-Man homecoming. And I think that's sort of a perfect Tony Stark and Peter Parker sort of are two peas in a pod. They, they kind of go toe to toe together. There's mm-hmm. almost, they, they almost already have this father son relationship thing going on.
1: Well, and they did the, uh, something that, you know, I guess would affect, uh, purist may be upset about but for all intents and purposes spider-man's costume his legitimate costume is comes from stark industries
0: right which i think does happen in the comic books later but it's actually like an iron spider sort of like it's Mm -hmm. it's a basically iron man spider-man right
1: i actually think i had one of those toys i had (laughs) i had the iron spider-man toy okay chris you and i as we've done for the past 10 minutes or so could nerd out forever let's what did you not like about this
0: um Let's, let's go ahead and say, I don't know if we're going to get into spoilers, but say spoilers just in case Mm -hmm. from here on out. Um, there, there are some third act flaws, as I alluded to specifically, I just don't fully buy Tony Stark's, um, inability to overcome his anger when it's revealed that, Oh gosh, the winter soldier killed his parents.
1: Okay. Civil war time. Cause here's where I think we will disagree is at the start of this. I said, I agreed with cap on some things uh-huh. and Tony on others. I agree with cap on the Sokovia Accords, not wanting to be a part of that. I, I, I related to Tony Stark wanting to murder the hell out of winter soldier whenever that was revealed.
0: Right. But he's, he's also, we're, we're this deep into this plot where he should realize that this is he's just eating out of, I can't remember the, the bad guy Zemo's hand now. Mm -hmm. So that is like a, it, it just seems a little, and I'm, I have not read Mark Millar's Civil War, so I don't know how it compares. Well, and
1: actually I think – because that's the thing. The Civil War storyline, the Sokovia, I don't think that the Winter Soldier thing was a part of that. I haven't read Civil War either, but I think that's a, another story that well, was added and, on to this. Yeah,
0: Winter, and Winter Soldier is a whole nother. Winter Soldier is an Ed Brubaker mm-hmm. story. So they
1: m- melded those as m- it were.
0: Maybe so, because I, I don't know. Like I have not read Spider-Man since – and even when I did when I was very young, it was like – issues at that point mm-hmm. so i i have no i like this is way out of my element dude but um i know i know brubaker did uh winter soldier and then i believe there was civil war and then there was the death of captain america which was also brubaker so somehow it all comes together in some form but someone I,
1: who is more qualified than we are
0: please explain yes please um but other than that there's not a whole lot that i mean i think scarlet witch who i Liked mm-hmm. in uh, Age of Ultron, didn't care for much here. Um, partially, I don't think she was given a whole lot to do. She's sort of the closest thing we get to like a woman in distress.
1: What is the deal with Elizabeth Olsen? Arguably, you know, one of the best actresses in this movie, yeah. one of the best actors in this movie, both this and Godzilla. She's, she's just yeah. on the side. I don't understand. It's you have true. someone of this this caliber of talent. And,
0: and, and, you know, Scarlet Witch is not a major character, mm-hmm. but... You would think they would be able to, if we're able to get this much enthusiasm about Black Panther, then surely we could get this much enthusiasm about that. They're the same amount of enthusiasm about Scarlet Witch, but it just, she kind of falls flat. You know, who doesn't fall flat though? Vision. Love vision. Yeah, love everything that comes out of Paul Bettany's mouth as vision. Um, the, the, the moment when he's actually trying to uh, cook for Scarlet Witch and it's like, okay, a pinch of paprika. Um, what, what and what, what is a, a
1: beautiful tiny moment that would have been cut out of any other movie, but mm-hmm. yet they kept it in here. You could see them easily wanting to cut that out, and yet it's just this beautiful character moment that yet lets you understand both of who these people are.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Like they and and this is why. And I wanted to kind of get into this anyway, but the Russo brothers—they are now going to do Infinity Wars Part One and Two after this. And I was a little worried about that when it was initially announced. Now I'm not worried at all. Like they they balance the action and the you know adventure of it i guess and the comedy very well which is what um i think joss whedon did so well particularly with the original the the first avengers film
1: yeah i halfway think that he just got and not, and not that again not that age of ultron's bad by any stretch of the imagination i think he was just overwhelmed and he, he was checked out he was ready to get it's out of there perhaps and i think he's practically said as much
0: um and, well but it's still i mean age of ultron wasn't the Hobbit one through three. Exactly. So, so it could have been worse. Um, but you know, they, they seem like the right duo to fill those shoes, which totally makes sense because if you look at their resume, you know, they've mostly produced and directed sitcoms on TV. I mean, they did, uh, they did arrest development. They did community. They did a short run short lived show called, uh, uh, happy endings. Those are all, those are all sitcoms. Those are all comedies. And, but the, the shows that they directed on like community were action episodes, the, the paintball episode, the dungeon dragons episode. So they, they sort of perfectly fit into this. Like it's. There, there is not a better fit for this sort of Disney-run Marvel Cinematic Universe and directors who can work within a because really the way that the way that Marvel and Kevin Feige are running the studio is sort of more like a television show. Right, he is the showrunner.
1: It's it's like a television show and it's a television show in which you only see an episode once a year, once mm-hmm. or twice a year, and twice, so just tw- yeah, yeah, twice just, or thrice a year. Yeah, it's exactly. exactly. It's getting to that point. So um, we mentioned Black Panther. Um, and what what fictional country did he come from again? Uh, it is Wakanda, I believe. All right, and and so Wakanda, where about whereabouts is Wakanda?
0: Okay, so it's. It, I'm glad you bring this up because I was today at work speaking with with a friend who is actually from Zimbabwe, and he he got he perked up and got real excited when I mentioned civil war, and then. Um, and then Black Panther was mentioned. He's like, oh, I didn't like Black Panther at all. I was like, what, what are you talking about? And he's like, I mean, what's what's his deal? man? He's the one that, that was like not sure exactly what his backstory was and didn't know that there was a movie coming. But he was more offended that uh, Wakanda, which I couldn't remember the name of at the time. Uh, he was like, I mean, he's just from Rwanda. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a fictionalized country. And he's like, no, 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 it's Rwanda. It like takes up the place of. Rwanda on the map like they didn't even like try to carve it out of another spot and I don't know if this is true I couldn't I'll, I'll be honest I can't I could not identify Rwanda on a map for you um, but he is from Africa and well, so it's I, where Wakanda is it's where Wakanda is exactly but, um,
1: uh, did you I assume you stayed after the yes. big title scene okay yes what's interesting about Black Panther, I did a little research after the fact, is
0: He he is an interesting... Well,
1: the Wakanda is apparently a country in Africa that escaped imperialism, so it doesn't have to recover from imperialism. So it's actually the most advanced nation on Earth within the Marvel Universe, and we got a Mm -hmm. little bit of indication from that, because they had that Black Panther, that Black Panther yeah, statue yeah. was pretty badass. Let's, yeah. be, let's just call it like we see it.
0: Well, and also from what I understand, and we're we're going to get deep into speculation if we go too far into this, but from what I understand, Black Panther is sort of a, this figure who has been passed on generation to generation. There is a Black Panther mm-hmm. per generation, and he in some way connects with the elder Black Panthers and sort of like gains all of their experience and knowledge and power, um, which is, I don't know, I, I think it's a pretty interesting thing to um, approach. I mean, if Thor is like on the edge of my comfort zone, as far as space stuff, this is like pushing it, but still interesting. And Ryan Coogler. Yeah. You know,
1: like, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things I'm more confident having seen this, that they're going to be able to make it work. Cause again, they brought it back to the books. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so Chris, like I said, a second ago, you and I could talk about this forever. So I haven't asked this question of you in a while, summer favorite movie part. season. What is your favorite part?
0: Uh, Gosh, I knew you were going to ask me this. And I, I still like, there there were several things, honestly, it's probably something that the vision, uh, it, there, there's a few things. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to give you a buffet and you can choose which mm-hmm. one you want. Uh, something that the vision says, be it a pinch or he says something soon after that about like this very awkward, like, well, then we could order a pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of great. Um, there's, there's, uh, it's probably though, honestly, Tony Stark and, uh, Peter Parker, uh, Anytime that they're they're interacting, but that first interaction is kind of great. Like when he's like, oh, what do, they, what do they call you? Like the spiderling, spider boy? Well, and
1: also I loved it that they did Aunt Hottie. They went with Marissa Tomei as Aunt May as opposed <laughs> to going for the dotty old lady. I mean, yeah. just that I mean, that was pretty brilliant. So I, I really liked both those parts. I also liked Captain America versus Spider-Man because those were growing up my two favorite Marvel characters, but mm-hmm. they never really interacted. A whole lot. So seeing them interact, and then Captain America—spoiler alert—he beats Spider-Man. But he would, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At this point in their respective careers, he would. But he was still a good guy about it. You know what I yeah. mean? He didn't and try and kill him or something. That's
0: okay. We we're probably past this, but I want to just real quickly bring up. I I think that fight, that fight was great in the way that they sort of they played with. They sort of flip the inconsequential action that you always see on its head because this is actually people who are fighting each other who legitimately don't want anything bad to happen mm-hmm. and so in a weird way there's there's higher stakes because um, they they want to They don't want to Quite pull punches But they don't want yeah. to
1: Well Scarlet Witch Even it's at one point In time whenever Hawkeye and uh, Scarlet Or excuse me uh, Black Widow Were yeah, fighting and even exactly. said You were pulling your punches Exactly And so like Yeah like you said As it makes that Much it, it more just, compelling It adds a dynamism that uh, Versus you know Batman v Superman Wherever oh all of a sudden Batman and Superman Are psychotic monsters Who want to kill I mean, each other Or
0: even versus Avengers Where it's like Oh hey we got this Giant robot worm And these guys <laughs> On on flying mopeds uh, And Hawkeye Hawkeye is trying to kill him with arrows. Um, Somehow that works. Yeah. Like that. And that's the thing, like by scaling everything down, I think they, they did something very well that hasn't necessarily been done well in, uh, particularly in Avengers movie, which is basically what this Mm -hmm. is. And also a lot of the just Marvel movies. Um, one other thing I I will say in things that I didn't like, uh, Ant-Man looked terrible in this, like his suit, They
1: had you seen Ant? I haven't seen Ant. I've seen Ant Man.
0: Ant Man's pretty great, actually. mm -hmm. Um, I enjoy Ant Man. It it has it's not without its flaws, uh, but probably the bottom of the great list for Mm me. um, Corey Stoll, great bad guy, and uh, uh, Douglas um, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, really good, and Paul Rudd, really good. I mean, it's it it suffers from like still having spots where like, oh, Edgar Wright would have done this a lot better.
1: Well, and also um, just the fact that it, you know, who the character is.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the, like the character and you get, you get a sense of that here where he's just sort of goofy, like, Oh, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go with it. And that's, that's fine. But specifically his suit, his suit, it looks like they did a lot of just CG on his suit here, which I don't understand. Cause he looked fine in, in the, uh, Ant-Man movie. So I don't know what happened.
1: Well, I guess more time, but anyway, overall, yeah. Awesome movie. So, Chris, next time you see this, what potent potable will you be drinking?
0: I'm glad you asked. Um, I, I I had a lot of – I initially thought maybe I would do a either or. Like if you're Team Cap, you drink this. If you're Team Iron Man, you drink this. I'm just going going to go with one because, you know, as you said, it's sort of – I and I would say I probably come down on Team Iron Man for the most part, but I can see both sides. So I have one recommendation that I'm going to no matter what no matter what team you're on. I think you should be drinking Defender by Brooklyn Brewery. This is an IPA from Brooklyn Brewery. Um, It is the I believe it's the official beer of New York Comic Con. I think I got that right. It it has some title related to New York Comic Con. They have invented this uh, character, the Defender. Um, and it's a I, I've actually recommended a Brooklyn IPA before in the past I believe for uh, Mad Max, the East IPA, which is an IPA that I think Hunter you should try sometime because I think you would like it. It's a English style IPA so it's not quite so it's a little bit de- more delicate yes this I'm not sure you're going to uh you're you're going to enjoy it is, but for those who are uh, you know
1: manlier, let's just uh, tell yeah, yeah
0: manlier um, this is this is an IPA that I think you're really going to enjoy it has. Uh, a very floral fragrance to it. So it's, it's that, that's one of the things that I love most about a,
1: no, the, it's the, manlier, but it has a floral fragrance. Something doesn't compete st- here. These,
0: you know, strong floral hops. All right. Um, that's, that's, that's just what it is. Uh-huh. Um, and so for those of you who like an IPA, you know, you, you get that nice, that nice smell in the beginning, that nice aroma. It, it's got that, it's got quite a kick to it. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of like a little ant man in your mouth. Um, maybe
1: <laughs> if, if that's what you're <laughs> after,
0: uh, but it's, it's quite good. It's a perfect, a perfect summer beer for a, I'll dare say a perfect summer movie.
1: Well, and here's a knowledge bomb for you on, uh, Brooklyn brewery. I found this out the other day. Milton Glaser, I believe is how you yeah, pronounce design his name. Design yeah, the, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, the I Heart New York guy mm-hmm. designed there, has been doing their work for years. Well,
0: and even told them, like initially, I think they were going to be Brooklyn Eagle Brewery, right. And he was like, no, 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 just take the whole borough.
1: Yeah. So there you go for you designers out there. Well, Captain America Civil War is currently available at your friendly neighborhood multiplex. So if you've seen it, tell us your thoughts at hello at war at dot
0: com. Or if email isn't your thing, we'd still love to hear from you. Ring the red phone and leave us a voicemail in your best or worst Spider-Man voice at 484-424-6362. That's 484-4CINEMA.
1: Stick around, because we'll be back after the break to discuss listener feedback, and then our special features topic, Who'd Win in a Fight Films.
0: Well, they don't honor any profits back in my hometown. They'd rather strike up a circus, they'd
1: rather honor some clown. Got out from under that tin, I shook the dust off my feet. Then I got back on the road and got me
0: something to eat. I know the first time I saw you, you were looking alright. I know I'll see you in the morning, if I drive all night. I know a full moon is just
1: reflecting the light. I know I'll see you in the morning, if I drive all night. Well, there's a lot of love out there for IAMMMMW from other folks who saw it as children. On Facebook, David and Thomas chimed in. David, this movie takes me back. Love it. So many famous actors at that time. The Rat Race was a sort of remake. Very funny as well.
0: D- David, I'm, uh, I'm going to, you know what? If the uh, Rat Race is okay. Hopefully it, we'll hear more from
1: David later on. We'll just put it that way. It, it's a race. While Thomas said, I remember loving it as a kid, but I'm afraid to revisit again as an adult because I suspect it won't measure up
0: to the memories. Ooh, ouch. So, Hunter, what do, what do you think about this? I, I think you're probably probably on Thomas' side of these. Actually, Chris, I really want to hear from people
1: who had a really negative opinion in my review. Is the, is there anyone out there?
0: Uh, let, let, me, let me dig into the mailbag here. Um... Ah, yes. Okay. We we did actually receive even more love for It's a Mad, 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 Mad World in our inbox at at helloatwarsartsmednight.com. Oh, what did they say? Oh, well, actually, um, they gave us some of that anonymous internet vitriol that you so curiously crave. So the subject of this email is Hunter's ignorant, ridiculous critique of I-A-M-M-M-M-W. Dear so-called critic Hunter... Your opinion on It's a Mad, 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 Mad World is utterly preposterous. This film, while long, is a fantastic, crowd-pleasing road comedy, chock full of great gags, one-liners, and physical comedy to boot. Buddy Hackett is timeless and has an easily recognizable voice and persona. I assume he's talking about you saying that none of these people were, you know, who they seemed to be or they, they, they were all interchangeable. That must have been it, yeah. Um, he also goes on to say, Sid Caesar also timeless these guys are all timeless hunter no he didn't necessarily play the character he's known for but he's just as funny today as he was 50 years ago his cameo in vegas vacation is amazing and he barely says a word
1: i will actually give it to that guy we didn't have a t- time to talk about it on the last episode but him saying i won the money i say that all the time <laughs> i love that so okay. i'll give you the, i'll give you that uh,
0: okay points points to to this uh anonymous uh hunter hater an anonymous troll um, OK, then he goes on to say the fact that you don't like Milton Burl essentially proves that you shouldn't have an opinion on this film. Burl is fantastic here and was memorable throughout the 60s. His role as Louis the Lilac in Batman 66 is great. Yeah, it's a M- 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 world is longer than it needs to be, but it still holds up as a great comedy. The cameos alone are amazing. See Jerry Lewis. For my money, it's easily a four star film out of five. Trying to compare this to Blue Collar Comedy Tour makes me want to destroy your house Jonathan Winter style.
1: Well, I guess that explains what happened to my home the other day. Now <laughs> there, I know. There, there you go. It, was, yeah. it
0: wasn't a tornado. Well, it was, I'll be damned. It was it this was, guy. It was this guy. Uh, he then has... Do you,
1: yeah, d- actually, yeah, let's go through this. He provides a new cast, this anonymous hunter hater. He says, Jonah Hill and C. Tates, who I'm not sure who that is, but Jonah Hill and Channing C. Tatum. Oh, excuse me. All right, Channing Tatum. Yeah. So Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill and C. Tates slash Channing Tatum as Benji, Buddy Hackett, and Dean Bell, Mickey Rooney, respectively. Will Forte, Bill Hader, and Jason Sudeikis. Two of them is Otto Meyer, Phil Silvers, and Lenny Pike, Jonathan Winters. And the third is Melville Crump, Sid Caesar.
0: Okay, so what do you think of these five? Do you like any of these? Do you hate any of these? I mean, it's kind of basic. It's it's basic. I do I do think Jonah Hill and, and C. Tates would have a good chemistry that you need with, with that Buddy Hackett and uh, Rooney original. Yeah, sort of. and
1: maybe have it directed by tarantino <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe so the the only thing that i'm really i i feel like casting one of these i like uh will forte bill Hader, and jason sinekis i don't know if any of them are uh right for the jonathan winters character and i don't know like I, that's that's probably the hardest one to nail down because it's it's physical comedy
1: well let's see what else this guy's got he's got tina Fey as mrs marcus which was the ethel Merman character bill murray is j russell finch the milton Berle character and like I said in the episode, Tom Hanks is Spencer Tracy, and you're gonna love this one, Chris. He has Greta Gerwig as Monica Crump, the Edie Adams character.
0: I I do love it. I only hope that they give her more to do than the Edie Adams character had to do in in the in this in the original. But mm-hmm. then again, it was the '60s,
1: and this is where the hunter hater loses all credibility because <laughs> he says Zac Efron S. Sylvester, which is the Dick Sean. and wait for it. He wants Seth Rogen to play Sylvester's testicle.
0: I'm totally okay with this. 100% okay with this. Zach Efron actually would be, he would be perfect as Sylvester. I'm not kidding. And Seth Rogen would be terrific as a, as a testicle? I mean, he
1: already is. He already is. So yeah, he might as well continue that trend. Mel Brooks, of course, kicks the bucket, as Chris suggested. So let's see what he, okay, so this is how he finishes off uh-huh. to me. May your car just sail out there, just sail right out there, leaving you just hours short of reclaiming your buried fortune. Regards, Sylvester Marcus's
0: Short Shorts. I hope we receive more, uh, more, more emails from Sylvester Marcus's Short Shorts in the, uh, in the future. Wait, okay, so what do you think of this casting overall? I, I mean— cons- Would you see this movie? I I would probably see it, I mean,
1: uh, sitting through another three hours of it. Sorry, Sylvester Short Shorts, not that in, not that enthused about it.
0: Well yeah, okay. Okay, that's fair. Uh any rebuttals to his uh
1: I, I think he does a, a decent he does, job. He does a, he does know, a good dipfending. job of trolling me and ripping me a new one. So, uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm just glad that we got that vitriol. That's what uh-huh. I'm after. That's, I think <laughs>
0: you're you're only going to feed the trolls this way.
1: I love it. I love feeding the trolls. And finally, we close out on a more civil note, not Civil War note, but a civil note from Charles. Quote, just found your guys' podcast. Really liked episode 36. But I have to strongly disagree that On Her Majesty's Secret Service is a bad title. That's on you, Chris. Uh. I think it might be Bond's best title. Understated, subtly contrasts the state lines of the title with the outrageousness of the action, not to mention the seeminess of Bond basically being a hired assassin. But it also gets to the essential quaintness of Bond as originally imagined, working for the British Crown rather than the freewheeling CIA. Never heard CIA described that way.
0: Well, I mean, that's, that's fair to, to the books and to the way that you know Felix and crew are, are sort of portrayed.
1: Well, that said, I really agree on Raiders of the Lost Ark. You guys sound a little too young to have seen it when it first came out, but as a fourteen year old who couldn't have been less interested in nineteen seventies new Hollywood films, it was wondrous. Keep up the good work. Well thank you, Charles. And also thank you, Sylvester's Testicle or whoever insulted. Sylvester
0: me. Short Shorts. Sylvester's short
1: shorts. We love feedback, uh negative or positive.
0: Yeah, and and you know, I think uh my my one problem with Charles's uh analysis of Honor Majesty's Secret Secret Service is I think hey, like it works it works better as a book title than it does as a movie title, particularly a movie title for um, for the, the bond of the time, because he's analyzing um, a more well-rounded bond than we necessarily had in the late 60s. Chris, uh, my big
1: takeaway here is I think this is the most feedback we've received from a single episode. Clearly Clearly, we need to start insulting people's childhood favorites,
0: or or maybe it's that we just need to be doing movies from the sixties. Is, <laughs> is
1: that the takeaway here? I, yeah, I would have not have ever assumed this. Yeah, but once again, folks, whether it's negative or positive, whether you're trolling us or adoring us, we love your feedback. So hopefully, the Civil War episode gets some gets some rancor headed this way.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, hit us up at helloatwarstartsatmidnight dot com, or uh, you can also reach out to us on uh, Facebook or Twitter.
1: Right on. Who would win in a fight is perhaps one of the oldest questions known to man. Perhaps it started with Achilles vs. Hercules, or maybe its origins date back even further. The appeal is primal, good old-fashioned bloodlust at watching our champions pitted against each other in Mortal combat. And with Batman v. Superman, Captain America Civil War, and the forthcoming King Kong vs. Godzilla on the screen, the ancient ritual is being carried on into the modern age. But it doesn't have to be just fighting, right? There's an inherent appeal in watching your favorite characters interact with each other, no matter how convoluted the scenario. After all, isn't that the entire point of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or for that matter, the Flintstones meet the Jetsons?
0: Oh, uh, you mean the HBCU? What? Yeah, the uh, Hanna-Barbera Cinematic Universe.
1: Right, that. So today Chris and I will discuss the subgenre known as the crossover, including the classic so-and-so meets such and such, as well as my personal passion as well as my personal passion the versus film. So Chris, what do you think explains the appeal of crossover films?
0: I mean, really it's gotta be at least partially the the ease of pitching this, I think. You know, you walk into a room and someone's like, ah, what do you what do you got to sell me? You're like, oh, get this. This is the Flintstones meet the Jetsons. You know, it's it's just a very easy like people under you're you're taking generally two known commodities and smashing them together.
1: Well, and, and to to continue on with the HBCU is there is a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe. And so some people watch The Flintstones, some people watch The Jetsons, some people watch, you know, Deputy Dog or whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, whenever you see these things as a kid or maybe as an adult, I don't, I don't know what you're like audience, but you see these things interact with each other and like, oh, well, this is kind of fun. It's this thing I like and this other mm-hmm. thing I like. I think you've said that in reference to something before of, oh, look, let's take these things that yeah, I like and put them together. I mean,
0: that's that's more and more what Hollywood is becoming. We've, we've got, uh, what is it, Men in Black and 21 Jump Street coming together as I, yeah, that's, a weird,
1: preposterous.
0: That's I mean, one it, can't, the, it, it still cannot be worse
1: than Men in Black 2, though, right? It may not be, but it's weird. It's one of those things. That's one of those things that if we were to visit another dimension or something like that, and they were to make that movie like, wow, this is a really strange dimension.
0: Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, it seems like the type of thing, because didn't that originally come out in the Sony hack leaks? It seems like the type of thing that, like, you put out there to like catch a mole. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> like, hey, oh, let's let's say that we're going to do a twenty-one Jump Street Men and Black crossover, and then whoever comes back with that information, that's where the mole is.
1: And yet the the mole actually turned out to be they're actually making the damn. Well,
0: or it could be that you know once people saw it and were like, oh, this is not a terrible idea. I mean, it's not a great idea, but it's not a terrible idea. They're like, yeah, okay, let's uh, let's greenlight it. Well, actually,
1: that kind of transitions into something else is. Whenever I was a kid, I did crossover stuff all the time. I did Men in Black and and Uh, Ghostbusters, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Adam's Family and the Monsters was another one. So that was something I was really into as a kid. Those aren't different, yeah. And believe it or not, those are in fact different things. Actually, I vaguely remember. I think there was a Casper meets the Monster movie. There was something wherever these characters interacted. There may be an Adam's Family Monster movie, (laughs) but I digress. (laughs) Yeah, but (laughs) five dollar bin movie. But I digress, Chris. What are some of the hallmarks in this genre known as the crossover.
0: Um, okay. So I'm, I'm just going to be frank and, and straightforward with you. I slacked off my homework a little bit, this, this, because I was I was on vacation last week. All right. Um, so I don't I don't have much for you. I do have I do have a couple things. The first thing that came to mind um, was who framed Roger Rabbit. Maybe maybe my favorite of this sort of style. Maybe of the thing. best. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, because it doesn't. While it's great kind of seeing all of these cartoon characters coming together, like it also doesn't. That's not the linchpin in it. It's a good story as well. And that's something that's sort of rare in in these cases. A lot of like a lot of times, it's just that like, oh well, it's this meets this. All right, well, um, alien Predator, yeah, that'll print money. Uh, put it in production, you know, right. that sort of thing. And and this is far far above that.
1: Well, and to that point, is they also created a character in a scenario beyond just hey, look, it's Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse. That, They're periphery true. characters, yeah, to yeah. the Roger Rabbit story. That, that's
0: absolutely true, and they made it a lot more. I mean, it's. I would also argue that it's. In addition, taking, you know, Hollywood tropes, not just cartoons and that sort of thing, but, you know, noir tropes and those sorts of things and also pulling those in to it, which makes it much richer as well.
1: Um, speaking of much richer, let's talk about number two on your little okay. list here. I'll let you do this and then I'll transition.
0: Uh, yeah. So this is this is actually something that I had seen but totally forgotten about until doing a little research for for this. And it's a it's a little short film called Bambi Meets Godzilla. Um, and I'm I'm sure you were aware of this before. I brought oh, absolutely. It up. Yeah. Um it's it's just delightful.
1: Well, okay. You gave you gave me the opportunity to talk yeah. about Godzilla. Um, believe it or not. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, believe it or not. And if we eventually watch a Godzilla movie, I'll go more and more on this. But believe it or not, the whole idea of a cinematic universe, they were doing that back in the 1960s. For instance, Mothra versus Godzilla. Those two characters were introduced in separate films and they mm-hmm. were brought together. So that's nothing new to Japanese horror and fantasy is combining – is kind of having characters have their own independent thing and then combining them later on so therefore you could make the case that godzilla truly was uh revolutionary <laughs> 50 years ahead of marvel let
0: me ask this were they so i i'm you know i've seen original godzilla i've seen godzilla king of the monsters um i've seen matthew broderick godzilla but you know I, there's there's a whole plethora of Godzilla films I haven't seen. I've Maybe never... this
1: should be your James Bond activity this year. Oh
0: gosh. Oh, I don't. I don't know if I. How many are there? Is there? Is there a twenty-nine? Definite... I believe. Oh, I could. I I could do it. I don't know if I'm going to, but I probably won't. But... You'll thank yourself later. But um, anyway. Uh, but so like Mothra. Mothra. What, what's what's Mothra's? Deal? <laughs> what's
1: Mothra's thing? <laughs> Mothra is actually a god. She is the god of Infant Island. You know what? There's a war crime in here for you eventually, but so we'll get to this later. But long story short, Mothra is a god.
0: Okay, so I mean, is it is Mothra destroying cities in the same way that Godzilla is? Or no, or is Mothra, a- is dest- Mothra is
1: usually destroying cities because mankind did something to upset. her, Whereas Godzilla is just blind rage. Okay, and so but Mothra actually comes to mankind's defense sometimes. Okay,
0: interesting. So, but there is sort of this context of like. They both. It's it. It actually seems probably more uh, obvious than a let, let's go back and beat a dead horse. Uh, Men in Black and Total right. No. Yeah. Street. Exactly. Like, no, it's like oh well. We've we've kind of developed this almost this genre of of film, and now let's. Cross. It, it is completely justified. Okay. That's uh, that, see, I I assumed, but I I honestly have no. But idea.
1: But I mentioned, Mar- I can't I can't let this this uh, topic go without mentioning. This. this is King Kong versus Godzilla. They're redoing it in the next couple of years. You're but actually, the the original King Kong versus Godzilla, arguably one of the first. Actually, the first is uh, <laughs> Frankenstein meets the Wolf Man. I hmm. believe that was the very first crossover film. And I, believe it or not, I think it was Bella Lugosi who played Frankenstein. That's good stuff.
0: Huh, that that actually brings up another. Uh, another one that I had on, on my list and that's monster squad, um, which I believe written by Shane black. Is that correct? sounds familiar. Um, we'll go with that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's uh monster squads. One of those, like I, it's another one of those movies that I'm not sure I've ever like seen from start to finish, but I've seen it, you know, like it's always on, you know, IFC or something around Halloween time or, or whatever. And it's a fun little movie. It's, you know, just taking all of your, all of your characters and bring them together. That's, and that's sort of another sub genre of like, not just X versus Y, but just pile everything together mm-hmm. into, and that's, I guess sort of what civil war is in a way, but in a more, um, you know, defined manner. Now this isn't just confined to
1: movies, obviously it's also occurred on TV. So what are some of the oh, most memorable ones yeah, for you? And, yeah. and
0: I would say TV's the one where I'm, I'm most aware uh-huh. of it and, and where it probably happens more often than anything, because you've got network television where it's like, Oh, well, we got to run for 30 episodes or whatever a season. So uh, what, what do we, what do we got going on? Must see TV. Well, we could have, uh, we could have somebody from uh, Friends show up on Mad About You, or somebody from Mad About You Did that show, happen? show up on Se- um, Paul Reiser is, I think, he was Kramer's former roommate or something in an episode of. Oh,
1: I thought you said Friends. It was Seinfeld.
0: Uh, well, the the Friends and the Friends and Mad About You thing, I think, may have also happened, but so, there is there's definitely Mad About You and Seinfeld.
1: So, what do we call this? Do we call this the? It's not cinematic, obviously. The the uh,
0: the New York television universe. The, the must-see TV the NYT, television. The well, yeah. But, I mean, uh, and then you've got, like, Zena and Hercules, obviously. Cheers and Wings did it. Uh, Family Matters and Full House. And I think Family Matters and Step by Step. Um, actually, if you guys have not seen Steve Urkel teaching Uncle Jesse to do – I think it's to do the Urkel, to, to, teaching him to dance – um, you need to see this. I'll, I'll see if I can find it on YouTube. Please do. Cause put a link in the show. Notes. My, I
1: didn't watch, I didn't really like, uh, uh, what the family matters. Full I, no, house. I, no, I love family matters. didn't really TGIF. like full house. So yeah, I never knew that. That blows my mind. Yeah,
0: it was. It, it's pretty great stuff. I mean, Urkel. Urkel is great. Apparently, Michelle Tanner was on hanging with Mr. Cooper. I don't remember this. I don't understand. Like, in what context does that? happen? Have you
1: seen pictures, or is this just you, uh, no? A this this is this is nowhere. just
0: like I I got in, I got into a k hole of searching for, uh, and then and then this all kind of comes to the Tommy Westfall universe, which. Um, Are you are you familiar with this? This is I'm aware of St. Elsewhere, but Tommy Westfall, no. Okay, so Tommy Westfall is the little boy um, in St. Elsewhere who like everything exists, Uh, you know, at the end of St. Elsewhere, they were like, well, what's the most ridiculous thing we could do? (laughs) We could say that the entire series has just existed in this autistic boy's mind. But here's the thing. There were crossovers from all over the place in uh saint elsewhere Mm -hmm. and so there's this whole thing about the tommy westfall universe and there's actually you have you ever listened to imaginary worlds the podcast about okay there's a great episode about this that i will also link to that you should definitely listen to because he he explains it far better than i could not having like exact you know material but you know there's there's characters from uh you know homicide life on the street there's characters from you know shows at the time who would show up in in the hospital in St. Elsewhere. And so the argument is basically like, well, if St. Elsewhere existed only in Tommy Westfall's mind. Then, go, yeah. Then this show and, and so it actually sort of you know, they it's it's almost the Kevin Bacon game of like this cancerous like Okay, he was in this, and she was in this, and this character was here, and it just says, okay, well, that's not real, that's not real, that's not real, that's not real. If if this all actually
1: exists in, or conversely, maybe the showrunner is just taking autistic license.
0: Oh, that's man. what we, that's
1: what we'll get letters for. Um, okay, so we're talking a little bit about TV. This is semi irrelevant uh-huh. Oh no, 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 it's not irrelevant. It's it's on TV. I'm I'm curious if our listeners, because I know that you're not gonna li- relate to this necessarily, but WCW and WWF's. <laughs> Whenever (laughs) WWF purchased WCW, we wrestling fans were so excited because we had been waiting decades for this. It's going to be Austin and Goldberg and just all these guys finally finding each other. Those are different guys? They are two different men. They're both bald though, right? They're both bald, but they're different. But here's – yeah, but that's the thing. You wanted to see Austin and Goldberg finally fight, and it didn't happen because they screwed it up. This is the biggest crossover screw-up uh, in history. I I beg you, listeners, if you can relate to this, email us. I, I, I need to bond with you over this. Oh, gosh. The, the, the screw up of the invasion. You know what I'm talking about. If you know what I'm talking about, you feel the same way.
0: Okay. I, I one other thing before we, we close this out that I want to talk about, and that's some, some potentials.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, so I like with really with, once again, let's go back to it. The, the uh, men in black versus or men in black and 21 jump Street crossover. It feels like the, the boundaries are blown up. Like anything is possible. Absolutely. So. Wait, is there anything that you really, really want to see?
1: I do, but I want it to close. It's that strong. Okay, I, I,
0: I want to reserve that okay. right to close. I, I've got, I've got a couple things here. One, I think Robocop versus Terminator. It's, it, it's a sh- like I don't know how this hasn't been in the works.
1: Right, it's actually happened in comic books. I Has believe. It? Okay, yeah. um, and it, actually, there was actually a comic book Predator Alien versus Predator versus
0: Terminator. Wow. Can you imagine that? And how bad? So just shit? a battle royale, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I I would watch that movie. I would I would probably watch that movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, would this just be any Terminator, or like Arnold Terminator?
0: Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of gotta be just the, I mean, the, what a T 9,000 T 800, T 800. Yeah. That? Okay. I, I went, went up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's gotta be original OG Terminator. Mm-hmm. Well, actually I've
1: mentioned the show on the podcast before is death battle. They, oh, yeah. do, they do face off and it's, a, it's a good fight. You should okay. check that out. Okay,
0: good. Um, and then I guess you want me to do this, this one and then yes. you close Okay. Mm-hmm. I've got one more and. Um, this is, I, I found one on the internet that, uh, was, you know, people wanting to see Bond versus Bourne, um, which, you know, I, I like a, a nice alliteration, but honestly, I think Bond versus Ethan Hunt makes a little more sense.
1: I will put an asterisk by that. I would like to see the Pierce Brosnan, James Bond versus Ethan Hunt, and then Jason Bourne versus the Daniel Craig Interesting. James Bond.
0: Yeah, I I'd watch that. Mm-hmm.
1: I think in both instances though, James Bond wins since he's intent's purpose is invulnerable. The other fair, guys, I do fair. think that they can and, die and immortal and, and immortal. He's he, although, he
0: although didn't, didn't Ethan hunt die in uh, three and then they brought him back to life. Pretty sure that happened. Are you sure that wasn't film? Phil Mo- Philip Seymour Hoffman minus the coming back to life.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> You're awful <laughs> I am. Episode. I am out of control. All right, so you're ready for my final one? I'm, I'm ready. Blow okay. me away. Well, it very well may blow you away, so just hold on. So, Legendary Pictures, they don't have a relationship with Warner Bros. anymore, but when they did, it was mm-hmm. all legendary. I would like to see a legendary cinematic universe with Justice League, Pacific Rim, King Kong, wait for it and godzilla justice league and godzilla teaming up to take on an alien invasion or some shit the the the, <laughs> the, the monsters in pacific rim those alien monsters godzilla the and, kaiju yeah the kaiju exactly the kaiju the jaegers godzilla and justice league team up to take on the kaiju the alien invasion
0: yeah greatest I'd, movie ever i'd 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 rent, that. <laughs> I'd rent that i'd stream that on hbo <laughs>
1: I Um, I, I would get around to seeing that. You
0: know, you know where I would see that. I would see that at the drive-in. That would be a a damn good, damn fine drive-in movie.
1: Yeah, I, I, that, that little hunter would just, (laughs) there's nothing that would make him happier except for maybe Austin versus Goldberg. And that's not, (laughs) and that's not going to happen. So Chris, I could legitimately play this forever. This is my favorite game. This is my favorite game is who would win in a fight. However, I'm afraid we have to come to a close. Do you have any other fights that you'd really like to see? Uh, no, I think I'm good. All right, then we will pass it off to our audience. What fight do you really want to see? What crossover do you really want to see? What are your favorites most, especially what ones have you always dreamt about? And what ones are really just absolutely mind-bogglingly insane that you want to see on the screen let us know at hello or starts at midnight.com
0: i would also like to know just to play hunter's devil devil's advocate game uh what what is the most preposterous worst possible crossover that you can come up with the, i i want to see those the crazier the
1: better please we insist
0: all right well uh stick around for our really rad recommendations coming up next
1: i'm reading to my baby better summer have a and this is what it said The
0: casting lights from her clothes And I can count on my phones Close the book and four, three hours I just lay awake alone Whoa I lay awake alone Whoa Is there a way to go back away For this to make sense Didn't some write a song about the times of living When you know deep down That there's are so black and white she said so no one's ever seen it with an eye. All right, Hunter, it's recommendation time once again. Uh, do you have? Let, let me see. Do you have some dudes fighting? Do you have? Do you have a? Do you have a double feature that you would like to become a versus a, a,
1: a, a single feature? No, actually, this is a, a another type of crossover picture which we didn't get to talk to a moment ago. But I think it's worth mentioning is. We've talked about bringing characters together, uh-huh. but what about bringing actors together? Does that qualify as a crossover picture, particularly if the actors have huge movie star personas?
0: I, I'm uh, is the rock one of these actors? He is not. OK, he,
1: he is not. He, here, Here's my recommendation. Then I'm going it, to say it does not qualify. <laughs> only if it, if it has the rock. It does not. Actually, there's a story with that but for another episode but my recommendation is basically i I feel a crossover it's the man who shot liberty valance it was a it was a picture that jake mentioned last Mm -hmm. episode as having a great title not only does it have a great title but it has james stewart jimmy stewart and john wayne yeah biggest movie stars you know at that time ever in in a single movie and it's not just arbitrarily hey look it's james stewart and it's john wayne it's it's just a really fantastic film. It's maybe John Ford's last masterpiece. James Stewart might be playing a character. might be too old for the character he's playing, but that's a minor quibble. You have both of these guys in many ways at the top of the game. They're playing themselves. They're playing their screen personas, and just seeing that blend together without either one really overwhelming the other, it's it's the unstoppable first meets the immovable object mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so that may be one of my favorite subgenres of crossover films is whenever you get huge personas like that. And so there's there's instances where that never happened like we never saw John Wayne and Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. for instance and well, I mean we we could go on and on. So I'm just I'm Charlie great. Chaplin versus Buster Exactly. We, so,
0: they, they did they did come together, but let's not talk about that. yeah but, but It wasn't but,
1: but it wasn't great. It wasn't you know what it, it wasn't yeah. great whereas James Stewart and John Wayne in John Ford's The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance is great. So if you haven't seen it it's a war crime on you. You need to get your stuff together, and you need to watch it right now. Turn this off. Go watch it. Listen to Chris's recommendation, then go watch Man Who Shot Liberty Valance.
0: This is this is an excellent pick. One that I can actually endorse for once. One that I've actually seen. Yeah, um,
1: it may be at the five dollar bin, but do it
0: right. All right. Let, let me let me see if I can throw some obscurity out since you've given uh, such a
1: mainstream pick. Yeah.
0: So I I've got two recommendations. Um, I've sort of. I, I, well, I've, I've straight up mentioned one of them, um, so I'll start with that. Uh, it's Community, the uh, NBC show. We've we've talked about it before. <laughs> we talked about it when we reviewed Harmontown on episode two. Um, it's a show that ran for now six seasons. Maybe done, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a movie out of it. Maybe we'll get some sort of crossover.
1: Isn't that movie. what they always say? Is, oh, well, we're no, going to make a movie out of the TV well, show. No,
0: six, season, six seasons in a movie has been a mantra since it was a mantra within the show. Um, for Abed who was obsessed with Cougar Town and wanted Cougartown to run for six seasons in a movie, then whenever it was inevitably like it was getting canceled or it was on the brink of getting mm-hmm. canceled, the rallying cry has always been six seasons. in So a they minute.
1: might do it just out of sense of irony. Perhaps. And it, you
0: know. I, I honestly, I don't want a community movie because I don't, think it's the right format um, but the Russo brothers were executive producers on on community they they did several great episodes including the paintball episodes I mentioned the I believe they did the Dungeons and Dragons episode I don't know if they, they certainly did the first one I don't know about the second um, and 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 several others but it's a uh, it, it's a great sort of genre blending show they basically take these characters and continue to develop their story while particularly once they get out of like the first season and um, basically saying this episode is going to be the xyz episode so be it the my dinner with andre episode be it the uh if it's full of dollars episode be it the kinburns documentary episode uh the law and order episode like they they just play with somehow actually progressing a narrative arc with characters while also playing in a playground of a genre um it's you know for for film nerds it's just a delightful sort of show
1: well and you got to imagine for the people making it as well
0: yeah yeah and and that's i mean i i think watch i think you could definitely watch the paintball episodes without having any context and and do just fine but it kind of gives you an idea of where the russo brothers came from as directors and it's just such a perfect fit with them now in the uh the MCU my other recommendation is uh, i mentioned ed brubaker earlier who did uh, both the Winter Soldier storyline and uh, the death of Captain America's storyline. Um, I'm going to recommend a series that he did for. Uh, I think it's DC's like subsidiary Icon, and and this is the one that's kind of obscure. It's out of print. Um, kind of difficult to to find. You can still find it, you know, on Amazon used. Uh, it's called Incognito, and Incognito ran as. Um, I, I have it in two kind of like mass market paperbacks, two story arcs, essentially. And it's sort of this world where um, superheroes and supervillains exist. Your sort of main character in, in the story is a guy who used to be a supervillain and has is basically in witness protection now. Um, he turned state's evidence against the bad guys, and now he's in witness protection just working at crappy desk job or or he's working like in the mailroom and then he sort of s- starts uh you know doing some bad guy stuff yeah. and, and he's got he's got superpowers and stuff it's got a pretty interesting um origin story in um and and honestly some weird crossover with some of the content of of civil war but um uh it, the the origin story is pretty great it kind of links all the way back to um, the settling of America, um, which is, which is pretty like, it's just a pretty fun way to explore, you know, subverting the superhero genre by focusing on, um, a quote unquote bad guy. And then, you know, play around with, with an origin story, which feels familiar, but also, um, you know, tweaking it just a little bit here and there.
1: Well, Chris, um, you know, as long as we're recommending multimedia, Media, this came out by the time you guys listened to this, maybe two weeks ago, you mentioned him a second ago. The Rock Clock. Yes. You're aware of that. Do you have this app?
0: I I don't have this app. I have read the reviews where people are pissed that you cannot set a repeating alarm. Yes. No, you have
1: to do it each, but I'm sure they'll fix it. I'm sure they will fix it. I trust The Rock because here's the thing. People who don't understand this, Chris gets it. I'm sure most of you get it, our male listeners. The Rock is our Ellen DeGeneres. You know what I mean? I think that's (laughs) probably the best description. I don't get that. You don't get that? The Rock is my Oprah. Okay. okay. And so
0: I the, recommend is, is the Rock your Beyonce.
1: Uh see I don't get the Beyonce thing.
0: No, but that's what I'm saying. The Rock is your Beyonce.
1: You know what? He's all of it. He he's okay. all of that in a bag of chips. So if you're like me and you want to wake up to the Rock uh to the Rock every morning, download the Rock Clock app.
0: Rock Clock app. Uh, haven't used it. The design looks amazing. It's it's, it's beautiful. A, it's a big
1: old pile of badass. Well, that's a wrap for another episode of War Starts at Midnight. Check us out online at warstartsatmidnight.com for show notes, weekly movie recommendations, and more.
0: You can say hi to Hunter on Facebook or me on Twitter at WSAMpod. And we just started up a a little Instagram, so follow us there as well at WSAMpod. And if you've made it this far in the credits, let's face it, you should probably subscribe to the show on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use. And while you're there... If you're feeling so uh, nice, why don't you write us a nice little review or rate us? It'll help us reach new listeners, and it'll make you feel awesome. Chris, let's just tell like it is. If you are listening to the show
1: and not subscribing, not rating, and not reviewing, you're a freeloader. You are a freeloader. You are essentially a freeloader, and nobody likes a freeloader. Do you know what we do like, though? trolls. Trolls. We love trolls. Wait,
0: Hunter, what, could you give me some advice if I were a troll? How would I get in contact Look,
1: with you? Look, if you're the trolling type, and I know you are, please please tell us everything we got wrong, or try to because we didn't get anything wrong. You're wrong. Tell us what we got wrong at hello or starts at midnight.com. Or if you're a narcissist, and I know you are, leave us a voicemail and we may just play it. Just ring that bright red telephone at 484-424-6362.
0: Shout out to Bo Jennings and the Tigers for the music on this week's show. Find more at bojennings.bandcamp.com. And join me, not in another fortnight, but next week, for a very special episode of War Starts at Midnight. While Hunter's Away on Vacation, Joey Dale and Jacob Graves will sit in for a 30th anniversary review of Top Gun. Thanks for listening, folks. Excelsior.